0: Welcome to Intentionally Grounded, sponsored by GoRoute, simplifying scout teams through simple and direct coach-to-player communication. I'm your host, Brian Willey, along with my co-host, John Kessler. Episode 29 features the former head coach of the University of Missouri, Gary Pinkle. Coach Pinkle discusses lessons the game of football has taught him and how coaches like Don James have influenced his development of his football coaching philosophy and program style. Coach also details his keys to building a loyal coaching staff, his infamous Thursday talks, and the legacy he hopes to leave behind with all the players, coaches, and programs he has served for. Coaches, don't forget to check out our updated website at IGFootballCoach.com for all of our blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, it'd be much appreciated if you could leave a review for us on iTunes to help us grow our program and share our message with a larger community. Thank you for all your continued support. Episode 4 of Season 2 of Intentionally Grounded with Coach Gary Pinkle starts now. Well, Coach, tell us a little bit about your football career as a player growing up in Ohio and through your time at Kent State. Well, you know, it
1: was, uh, you know, growing up and in, in, we, we grew up, I was about, my house was like 25, 30 minutes from the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton. And so football was really big uh, in the Akron, Canton, you know, Cleveland area, it actually spilled over into into Youngstown and right in Pittsburgh, that whole region there. You know, football was a big deal. And I started playing football when I was, um, I think, seven, years, eight, seven, eight years old and uh, loved it and fortunate that, uh, you know, I got to go on playing high school and uh, I had a great high school coach named Dick Ford who came in, never won a championship in the history of, uh, of our high school, and we won one. And it wasn't because of me, it because of my teammates. And we, we just happened to, you know, and I don't think they ever won one sense, sense maybe one sense. Uh, But we actually, you know, uh, won a championship and it was a great experience. And so then I got opportunities. So two or three schools look like at Iowa State, Miami, Ohio, Bowling Green, places like that, and Kent. And I, Kent, was closest to Akron. So I went to Kent State University. And a guy named Nick, a guy named Don James came in after my freshman year and he was our coach, the legendary Don James. And, uh, I had a guy on that team named Nick Salen. We all know Nick from, uh, you know, Alabama and he played safety and a guy named Jack Lambert was on that team. Uh, I all know Jack. Jack was a, was a an NFL hall of fame, four Super Bowl rings and MVP, 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 but we had a bunch of other guys there too. So never in the history of the school at Kent state university, that they ever won a championship. And, and, and uh, the book, a hundred yard journey that I have, I talk about people that are around me my whole life that had an impact on me. So, Obviously, my father did, but, you know, I, I talked about Dick Fortner, my high school coach, and Don James won at places that had never, ever won and never won since. Why that happened to me, I don't know. It's a blessing, I guess, you know, it's surrounded by good people. And uh, so those were, those were my 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 playing days. And uh, I was very, very fortunate. Uh, I might real quickly tell you this one story that uh, my dad worked for Akron, Akron uh, General Tire. They made all the tires in, uh, at that time in Akron, Ohio and this is the uh championship game in cleveland we went up to cleveland some guy gave my dad tickets because we couldn't afford tickets real late because he couldn't make it somebody was sick in his family so cleveland is playing uh cleveland is playing um at the time the baltimore colts which we are in the in Naples colts now but the baltimore colts in a championship game and they would go to and eventually whoever won that game would go play it and one of the first Super Bowls, and so we're going to that game. I'm so excited. I think I was about 15 years old, I think. I'm not sure exactly, 15, 16. So my dad and I are walking up, and we're late because we got the tickets late, and we're walking up to the stadium, and this limousine pulls up, and a guy gets out with like a Russian hat on it, and it's Vince Lombardi. It's Vince Lombardi. I looked at my dad, and I said, Dad, that's Vince Lombardi. And so I just stayed there kind of stunned looking at him. He came, put his arm around me. You know, we're walking up, and uh, you know, asked me, you know, I play football, and yeah, and how's I, I was doing in school, and we, you know, and I want to go. You know, what were my thoughts of future football, and it's just uh, the irony of me, you know, you know how it all unfolds in, in my life is, you know, who would have ever known at that time that I would eventually be a you know high school, I mean, a college football coach, and and you know, have such a have, a, have such a great career, but as Vince Lombardi touched me a little bit, I always had a lot of great people around me.
2: That's a good story, Coach. Um, let's talk a little bit about you. You mentioned Don James and um, talk a little bit about what it was like playing for him and his culture and coaching style. Um, and what do, why do you think that he had so much success in his career?
1: Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, I think, you know, coaches, uh, he, he's an American Football Coach Association. He was the National Football Foundation. You know, he's, he, he's one of the most successful coaches ever. But he, first of all, he's a very first class and honest man. He was, he was a little guy. I shouldn't say a little guy, but he was, he was, he was by five, 10. Um, he was from Massillon, Ohio and um, in, in that region really, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but he was, I think, a defense coordinator, I think at the time at Colorado, when he got the job and, you know, he came in and it was just kind of an undisciplined program, no disrespect to anybody, but I would, I did, just didn't see players working hard. Kind of like I was in high school, the work ethic like us seniors and the juniors and sophomores had, I didn't see that a lot here. Well, when he walked in, it, it changed really, really fast. And they set a standard uh, for accountability, a standard for responsibility, standard to be a great teammate and stand for uh, a, a, stand, took a stand on leadership and, and changed an entire culture. And it wasn't easy. A lot of guys quit. But at the end of the day, Don James has. is has, has also very honest. And he's very sincere. He's not a screamer or a yeller. But he's a big guy on accountability, you know, a little bit like Nick Saban is myself, Belichick about accountability and get your job done and he changed the culture and and by the way, he came in uh, right after the may four shootings uh, when I was a freshman, I was a freshman there right after that may fourth shootings uh, may may fifth may fifth or fourth nineteen seventy he came in right after that the worst time you could ever want to recruit to Kent State University, he came in. And then we ended up winning a championship there. And uh, the next year, I think my senior year, we were, we were, uh, I think eight and two. I think we played 10 games back then. Uh, But uh, he was, he was all the things I just mentioned about coach James. He, uh, he just, we all had so much respect for him, but the little guy, you know, he, he, he was a giant, you know, this little mild mannered guy uh, had the respect and, and and he really just had a huge influence and we were fortunate to have a bunch of guys that that you know wanted to be great and wanted to win and wanted to be successful in some names i've mentioned um and then he leaves and that's where you know did had a great career there and he leaves and he goes to the university of washington and uh you know i guess I, I worked for him there for 12 years went to 11 bowls in 12 years went to three rose bowls the last game I called uh, called as an offensive coordinator was when we beat Iowa in the Rose Bowl in 1990 and I became head coach of Toledo. But, uh, so the, the Don James plan and program, I went out and w- when I went out and coached with him at Washington, he gave me a, a job there. Real, 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 I'll make a long story. He gave me an opportunity. I was at Bowling Green for two years as a full-time assistant and I worked for Coach James out there. The last seven years I was, uh, uh, I was the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. And, and, you know, that experience got me. So I had an opportunity and I became the head coach at Toledo. So, uh, and, and the program that, that worked at Kent state that worked at Washington, and then I picked that up and put it in Toledo, Ohio and it worked there. And, and then what happened was when we went to Missouri, what, what I would tell, I go and recruit homes, you know, and I just tell them this program worked at Kent state, explained it, worked at university of Washington, the national championship championships worked at Toledo. And now we're dropping this thing in here into missouri two winning seasons in 17 years we're dropping this in here and I'm, we're not we're not hoping it works it works and and, and, it's, and especially in the state of missouri you know you have all those losing seasons you know you're really trying to change you know attitudes and and you know beliefs and and that was a real good selling point for us
0: Coach, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but you were a teammate and assistant coach with Coach Nick Saban while you were at Kent State, and then you took over him after you left Toledo. Uh, what was the biggest impact Coach Saban had on you as a coach, and do you have any unique stories or memories you could share with us about your and his relationship over the years? Oh, gosh. Uh, Nick uh, Nick was a lot like me. You know, he
1: wrote the forward to my book, and Nick's a year older than me. Like when I was speaking engagements, I always tell people that he looks a lot older than that. To be, not just one year, like, like 10 years older than me. But um, Nick, uh, we just had a lot of respect for one another. We didn't hang out a lot. We, we, you know, we were we're teammate buddies, but not not really that much socially outside of it. But we always had great respect, and we both, you know, wanted to become, uh, you know, coaches as time went on. So he had a huge influence on me because I just had so much respect for him too. You know, and uh, in, 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 like I said, he he said in in the foreword of my book, he said, I always want to be like Gary Pinkle. And I looked at the thing. I go, what is what was he thinking when he wrote this? But I just think we I think we both had just great respect for one another. Really, you know, one of these neat story about Nick Saban is a bunch of them. But Nick's dad was uh, he was from West Virginia. And Nick's uh, father uh, was in a car business and he was going to graduate from. Kent State, and he was gonna go down and start a car business, and he wanted to get cars, and that way he just wanted to do that as a, you know, dealerships and things like that. So he, Coach James, brought him in after senior year, and he goes, uh, he says, uh, you, it was at, his senior year was the when we won the championship, and he, and he says, uh, why don't you, watch you have you know, thought about maybe wanting to coach? And Nick said to Coach James, he said, yeah, well, yeah, I, I thought about it, but I, I got responsibility to my dad. I got to go do this. It's something so important. And Nick said and, and then Coach James said to Nick, he go he says, now, Nick, I just want you to try it for one semester. That's all I want. Just one semester, I want you to try it. And and, and if if it doesn't you don't like it then, then you go down and do it and it, that'd be great, but you might like it. Well, the rest is history. He loved it. He absolutely loved it. Interestingly enough now Nick has I think three three uh different car uh, Mercedes dealerships. Uh, you know, he that he's invested he, that he owns, and that's a tribute to his father. So, you know, Nick, Nick is a very driven guy, very competitive, very sincere, and he's very honest. And I think, you know, he's certainly, you know, his two heroes are Don James and Bill Belichick. Those two pretty good guys to have. But Nick is, uh, Nick and I were graduate assistants, and we always talk, we always, he, talk, he talks in, my, in the, my book about, he talks about how when we we're graduate assistants, the game was over at, at three o'clock in the afternoon. And we had to take the film to Pittsburgh, so we had to drive an hour and a half and get it developed. Okay, and so we were taking turns driving. We get back at six in the morning, and then we have to cut it, cut it up, in offense, defense, kicking. And we we're talking about, and, and we we use glue, hot glue. And we, so what his comment was is, you know, these GA's now are complaining, graduate assistants, and we were real men the way we did it. I mean, they don't have to; <laughs> they just get on computers. They do nothing. They just they just move stuff in computers. We had to we had to stay up till all night long. And, uh, anyway, we had, you know, he, he's a great guy and when he was head coach at Toledo for one year. And he, he called me, actually, I had two interviews. I mentioned before my last game, I called plays as we beat Iowa in Rose Bowl. I, I had two opportunities uh, for head coaching jobs. And I didn't get either one. And then in March, when guys don't leave, I get a call from Nick and says, I'm going to go, 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 to, go to the NFL and coach, you know, he was at Toledo one year. And he says, Gary, I can get you an interview here. I can't get you the job. I get you an interview. And I said, yeah, that'd be awesome if you could. Well, guess, guess who, who is he went to work for? A guy named Bill Belichick, Cleveland Browns. You know, it's kind of the irony of all this stuff all of unfold, you know, and the futures of both those guys. And ben Belichick eventually got fired there, which is, you know, crazy about, you know, our, our whole lives. But, um, you know, I, I, I still, it was, he, he had a real, you know, a, a real effect on me. And I was fortunate I got that job. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a, we always remain friends and, you know, I got in the SEC, you know, I sat in the same rooms with him. Uh, it was uh, it just great to be a part of him. And again, it's my whole thing is I've been blessed my whole life to be surrounded by good people and he's one of them.
2: Coach, let's talk a little bit about what it, um, when you were at Toledo and then when you went to Mizzou, uh, when you were building your staffs, talk about the the value that you put on surrounding yourself with coaches who understand the kind of coach that you were and the style that you were going to implement and how they could implement your culture uh, within your programs. Yeah, that's interesting.
1: I, you know, that was hugely important when I was at Toledo, uh, I inherited uh, one thing to get the job. And I, I did, I inherited every one of the next coaches, but I, I eventually a year or two later, I brought most of my people in people that I knew people that knew the Don James way guys that had played for him or guys that were graduate assistants for us when I was at Washington and, and and so I brought people in that understood our program. And when I put it in, we put it in the Don James program and his philosophies and attention to detail in everything that we do. And and that that was critically, you know, in, in, important for us, you know, as as we as we were, you know, building the program and the consistency of staff is hugely important, especially when you go into a place because you want to you, you want to establish an environment with relationships and when your coaches are coming in and out uh that's really really it weighs a lot i think on the consistency of, of winning and the consistency of, of everything that happened to your program so you know i went to when i went to uh, uh, missouri i took over coach with me except for one and uh, most of those guys are with me for uh, you know the guys at toledo and guys there a lot of those guys were with me probably seven or eight of those guys are with me probably you know, 15 years, uh, 15, 17 years. So, uh, the consistency of staff was hugely important and the value. And I learned that from, 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 uh, you know, as I learned most of the things from coach James and that was hugely important when we got the Missouri job, because here too many seasons, 17 years, they've seen, they've seen 400 coaches every year, every two years. And had like in, in a six year period of time, and no disrespect to anybody, but you know, 23 different coaches were in and out of the place. And it's just difficult to recruit and develop trust. And I was very fortunate to have a lot of good people around me.
0: Coach, what do you think is the key to, your key to success in building such a loyal and tight-knit staff that remained together for so long? I mean, you talked about the, the familiarity with the Coach James' way of doing things. But what do you think was the key to success in making sure that they were so loyal and tight-knit and would follow you wherever else you'd go? I don't know. I,
1: you know, I, I, I think they when they came in and started working for me, they, they They knew there was a plan in place. They knew that there was a, you know, this is think, you know, we we did things certain ways, and it became our way. But it certainly was with was Coach James' program, and I think they had great respect for that. Um, I'd like to think that, you know, they I was treated them respectfully there. I was very honest with them. Uh, I was very demanding, you know, of excellence, of detail, of doing things the right. And I think that was just kind of the it was just kind of the atmosphere, of what we what we had, you know, and what 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 was re- really in, in, important for us, you know. I, I think that that was, you know, as critical, you know, as probably as anything for us, is to establish, you know, that that consistency. Uh, and I and another thing that I did, just to, you know, I think this is probably important too. I when I when I went to um, went to uh, to leave those the head coach. Um, and I had got my staff on there all together. What I started doing is I started, I, I wanted my, my coaches to have, to be able to get home and see their families more. And since everything was going on computers and you could get data so much easier and you could, and you could do it. Uh, what I did is I started making sure other than Sunday night, uh, no Sunday night. Also, uh, I, I, I had my coaches home at seven o'clock every night. And that's unusual in our business. Most, you hear them, most guys are till eleven, eleven thirty. And honestly, if that was takes a win, I would do it. But I think having a family, you know, being able to go home and see your kids, kiss your kids, you know, which I didn't have. I mean, I I would leave on Sunday. My kids wouldn't see me until generally Thursday because I worked till 11 o'clock every night. Well, I changed that for that reason. And I thought it really played in a very, very positive way. And I think it had, it had nothing to do with – uh with an uh, effect on us not being able to be at our very best. In fact, I thought that coaches that get to go see their families, you know, are sharper and more. And so I think you asked me about that. I think that, you know, why did they stay with me that long? I think a lot of them, I think that was one that was very important there. When I, when I, I just did that because I thought it was the right thing to do.
0: Coach, throughout your book, you talk about your Thursday talks, which became one of your hallmarks during your coaching career. And, and your book has some excerpts from those Thursday talks that you gave throughout your mm-hmm. coaching career. What went into developing those weekly speeches, and what did you hope to accomplish in the speeches for the team?
1: Yeah, that's that's really a a good question. My book, I have it. I have a a game in my career. Uh, Every chapter we started with that, and it's Thursday talks, and that was a Don Jamesism, and and this this is Coach James's philosophy on this. Most people, you know, lock in on Friday, 24 hours before the game mentally. But what Coach James, what we did was Coach James did. and I'm a player for him now. Me and Jack Lambert. You know next day we're sitting in the in the room on Thursday on Thursdays. And his whole philosophy would he he would set the tone, talk about the game, the importance of it, maybe give a story about some successful people that overcome adversity or whatever kind of maybe we were going through, so we'd feel good about it. and But his whole thing was we were going to do forty eight hour preparation. Everybody else mentally locks in, you know, on Friday when they wake up in the morning. That's when they start doing it. Well, the second or Friday afternoon when they report to the team for the Saturday game. What, for, what they did for, for us, we, were, we, we locked in. When, when, that, when that practice was over on Thursday, we're locked in. We're, we're starting to, to, to focus on, on the game and the preparation. We're, we're mentally getting into this quicker than anybody we're playing. And he really made us believe that that was an edge for us. And it probably was, but but more importantly, we believed it was an edge. Well, I did the same thing, you know, for my players. so I did the same thing. Before you ever ask any player to ever play for me? They'll talk about or play for Coach Ames. They'll talk about the final 48 hours. You know, we had an edge there. We've got we've got to prepare better in those 48 hours than anybody else. And very unique. Most people have those kind of talks with their teams on Fridays. Most a lot of very successful people. This gave us at Kent State that had never won before you know, at, at heart, heart at all, uh, a, a chance to really develop an identity And when I played for him. And so I carried the same things over, and uh, they uh, they were really a lot of fun to go back and, and look at things I've talked to the team about on Thursdays prior to. But the 48-hour uh, uh, preparation is is the critical point of all of that, uh, the, that, that we're, we're going to do a little bit different here at, at Kent State and at Washington and at Toledo and at Missouri. We're going to do it a little different here. And that's why we're going to have an edge. And whether we had the edge really or not, we thought we did. And that was that's as important as anything.
2: Coach, you've had the opportunity to coach some outstanding football players at your time, both at Toledo and Missouri. Um, if you were building your own Mount Rushmore of players, <laughs> who who would be your guys that you would put on? And, and we've asked other coaches. Um, Jerry Kill, we just had Jerry Kill on, and he talked about that. You know, there's so many really, really good football players um, that it that's
1: is a hall- This is a this is a, ba- that's a bad question. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what. But but if you did have a top four, you know, could you put four guys on it?
1: Oh, that would be so hard. Uh, I mean, I'm just you know, I look back at you know when I Washington was Washington as an assistant coach and my coach Mark Brunell there, you know, played 15 years in the NFL. I coached Kerry Conklin, was a quarterback. You know, I just talk about quarterbacks. And, you know, I coached a guy named Chris Chandler had 16 years in the NFL. You know, Billy Joe Hobers. Uh, damon huard I, I i mean i coached all these quarterbacks and I, and I don't know why i had them but they were all hugely important um uh, you know i certainly think for us at missouri if i just look at missouri well let, let's let's start with this i, I recruited steve Atman. steve Atman's from spokane washington he won the outland trophy at washington as the first player picked in the draft actually with the indianapolis Col- colts and he tore his knee up and didn't play as long as what they thought he would and he's growing a great great players but uh you know, I got a chance to you know recruit an outlet trophy winner, and that was that. He had to put him up there, on on the pedestal up there a little bit. bit. Also, Chase Daniel, who's a backup quarterback for the Chicago Bears now. Uh, Chase Daniel um, was the MVP of the uh, of the Big Twelve in 2007, and 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 two, so what happened with, with with him is 2007. He he first team All American, and so I'm sitting in New York City at the Heisman that like we saw a couple weeks ago. I'm sitting in there with a little chair in that, in that theater, historic theater, where little names are on the back of each chair of who's going to be sitting in every one of those chairs in there. And not too many coaches get to do that. Well, Chase Daniel was a great, great quarterback. And uh, he's his 10th year in his NFL. Hasn't had many uh, opportunities to start. Uh, he's, he's started, you know, quite a few as a backup, but had a great career there. But So then there's a bunch of other guys, too. I mean, I can go on and on. Uh, some guys that have done, you know, Jeremy Macklin, You know, was a great wide receiver in the NFL. He's had some injuries the last few years, but you know, I could go on and on. You know, I, we got here. I think uh, this year with Drew Locks, the last quarterback that I've ever recruited. He'll he'll he's my last one and uh you know we we once once he's gonna be a first round you know i'm gonna have in my career i'll coach uh 10 first round draft picks and 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 i we recruited 10 first round picks, and 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 that was over an eight-year period of time and so um you know i was very fortunate there's a lot of good people i was around and uh and i and i do this When he asked this question the reason you know, people don't like to answer it. coaches is because you love your players so much and every one of them has their impact. And so I usually, uh, I usually balk an answer in that, but I I think I'll get by because I want to start getting emails from some of my players. Phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, what about me? So anyway,
2: Coach, I, I do have to confess that uh, you know, I'm a Northwest Missouri state alum. Um, so I grew okay. up in Southern Iowa and I went to Northwest Missouri state um, and in Northwest Missouri from about 2006 to 2009, I don't know if there was anybody more popular than you and Chase Daniel and Jeremy Macklin during that run. (laughs) Um, And I don't know if anybody hated Kansas more than the Northwest portion of Missouri uh, during that little stretch of three or four years that you had in a row there.
1: Yeah. You know, that's, that, that rivalry we had, it's unfortunate we went to the SEC and hopefully they're going to bring it back one of these days, but that, 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 and when I, when I came here and, and the, you know, we, the the record was so poor, you know, Two winning seasons, seventeen years. When I, when I took this job, I, I couldn't understand you had hearing this, this rivalry between Kansas and Kansas hadn't had the best seasons either. How could you have this big rivalry when both teams were not very good? <laughs> but boy, as you well know, you hanging around Northwest uh, Missouri, that thing that thing was you, you. found out I don't care if we won any games. When that game came on, that was like a war, and uh, really one of the one of the great rivalries, one of the oldest rivalries ever. And, and in two thousand seven you know they they have a great football team i think they're rated second i think they're i think they were rated i think second or third uh something like that we were rated fifth going into a game we played in Arrowhead stadium we had game day there uh and they had a great football team they went on you know to play in in, in the orange bowl um they had a great football team at stadium you know game day the stadium's completely uh, Arrowhead stadium we've seen that on tv how awesome that's, that that stadium is and that thing was packed, and it was cold. It was a Saturday night, and that place was absolutely crazy. And in fact, I, I tell about this because it's when if you if you're ever coach in a Rose Bowl, I was fortunate to coach in three or four of them. Um, when you drive the Rose Bowl, sitting in Pasadena in, in, in Southern California, there's mountain ranges all all the way around it, and then here's down the very bottom flat area is this beautiful Rose bowl and the buses, when the buses finally, you know, navigate themselves down and they were driving up close to where they're going to drop off. They're going like with all the players. So all the players we have police escorts, they're taking us through. Well, all the, all the Husky fans at the time would be on the sides of the, of the road. And, and this is it through a Rose Bowl. We're going to, we're going, uh, they're going to park, we're going to jump out and go on and get, get ready to play the game. But our fans were just pounding on the buses. And the first time I did it, I almost, I mean, I'm, I mean, I was sweating. It was like unbelievable. I've never experienced an intensity of fans in such a positive way. Well, that's what happened that to get back to Kansas city. That's exactly what happened in 2007. We were both top five. I knew that we were, and our, our buses came down. It was the exact same thing. Our Mizzou fans were pounding those buses with their fists when we, they were trying to get us to, 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 to knock us off, played a great game against them. They played a great game. And, and we were fortunate to, to, to win that game. We were actually ranked number one in the nation that, uh, that, that next week. Um, so it's uh you know that that's rivalry. You know, you being a Northwest uh, Missouri person, uh, it, it's unbelievable how how huge a rivalry that is, and it's unfortunate because they got to get it back.
0: Coach, reflecting back, how do you want your players to remember you after their playing days are over? I don't know. I, you
1: know, it, it, it's it's uh, people ask me that, and it's it, it, you know, almost when I start talking, it's almost like self-serving. You know, I, I don't. Um, I I would like. I'd like people to have respect for me. I'd like to say that I really cared about them. I'd like to say that, you know, that the influence that I had on them and, and the people around me, not just Gary Pinkle, the program, uh, and all the people in the program, because that's what makes it up. Had a had a huge influence on, on them also, that that they were better people because of, they had to be accountable and responsible. They had to go to study table. They had to be, wasn't mentioned things I mentioned very early, um, so that 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 to me those things uh, you know you always want to you know be respected one of the great things about me I get around my players and I hug them and I love them I miss I miss that more than anything I miss my players and and being around my players and uh, and so uh, it was so awesome what we did is we when our when their, when their last game was over you know before our bowl game our last game was over uh, that we would have a banquet uh, and we would. Uh, we would have all the seniors for that particular year would have tuxedos on and we'd banquet and they'd be standing up in front, we'd be giving them awards and everything, and all the parents everybody's there and I'm just thinking every one of those guys every one of those guys got their own little story, you know they came here, a lot of them struggled. A lot of them learned how to handle adversity. A lot of them had, you know, learned to, you know, be better teammates. And I just, everyone's got a story, and I really miss that. I miss, I miss obviously coaching and you know, you know going into a zone. I put my my headset on in the game. I was gone for four hours, and I loved that those four hours. I was, I was gone. Nobody was in the stadium, uh, but I really miss taking care of my players. And uh, so that's that's what I hope that they felt that that they felt that this was much bigger. My players always talked to when recruits would come in. My player, my players would always talk about the family. My players, I didn't do the, I didn't do the family talk much. I talked about being close, being a great teammate. But you know, they, you know, I get out of there and the parents, the, the recruits come up to me and say, "These kids love this place. You know, they, they talk about how great this family, how close we are. And we must have been doing something right." But you know what? I surrounded myself with a lot of good coaches, and a lot of good players, and a lot of good people. And it's kind of like the lessons I learned, you know, the, you know Coach James and Coach Fortner, my high school coach. Um, I, I got to do those things, and, and hopefully I had, a, I had, we had, all of us, our program had an
2: impact on their lives. What advice would you have for younger coaches now um, that you've been out of it a little bit and, and you had a lot of guys on your staff come through? What would you tell younger guys coming up kind of in the position that you were uh, when you started?
1: Um, I would tell them, you know, you have to understand that this is it's a it's a very difficult business and uh, you're going to have to work your way up. It's hard to get into now. Um, I would tell them uh, you have to be graduate assistant you know, somewhere. Hopefully go to a good program and learn, go to conventions and, you know, and, and really introduce yourself to a lot of people like like all of us. You know, you know, you, you always want to I've been talking about great people this whole interview discussion we've had. Uh, I would tell them that. And I would, you know, I would tell them that they have a responsibility if they become a coach. They have a responsibility to, to teach competitiveness, to, to teach, you know, teamwork, to teach great attitudes, to teach being, you know, treating people respectfully, all people, all the time. And and really define that, uh, that, that, that if you become a coach, uh, you have a huge responsibility to those kids. And you got to win to keep your job. We don't know that, okay, because I don't care how great a program you run if you don't win you, you're not gonna you're not gonna do that, but I would encourage them to get in it, but I would also tell them you have to understand the time commitment is staggering when I backed away from it, you know, I got lymphoma, and so i i i i had no i just signed a six year contract I had no des, no thoughts or desire i mean i i, I mean I was even ever consider uh, resigning and 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 I did and and it's just you know it it it's it's really. It was really I, I, the first thing for me was I couldn't believe how many hours I worked. I, I you you know when you back away you just do what you do you know it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's December we're gonna prepare for the bowl we're recruiting we got recruiting visits every night we got recruits coming in after the weekend I mean you work this this you know eighty hours a week you know probably seven months out of the year job and you didn't think anything of it because that's what you did so I tell these young kids you know some kids will come in and me say coach I'd really I'd like Chase Dan came in and said, I, coach, I I'm not sure I might want to coach someday. He said, I don't think I'd want to be an NFL or or or, or college coach. He said, Just it's just the time can you know the time's unbelievable. And I and I and I so I make it very clear to kids when they come in and ask me about that. Now what's happened as you well know, there's so much money in, in this in this business and it's staggering. And there's a lot of people that are, are trying to get into it that I don't even know, even really thought you know, that it was the right thing to do, but from the standpoint of, you know, if you can get in and you can have success and you get the right coach and, you know, know, I I was here 15 years and I was 10 years and we we talked about my staff and everything. And if you can get in that, you know, it's, it's a pretty good job to have, but the pressure now is greater than average because there's so much money in it. And I would certainly tell them, don't get in it for the money. Okay. If you're going to do that, it probably won't work very well for you.
0: Coach, as we wrap things up here a little bit, since retiring from coaching, what are some of the things you're kind of involved in to kind of keep yourself uh, maybe in the game of football, but also maybe just in your personal interest? And in addition to that, do you have any interest ever returning to coaching at any level? Uh, yeah, well, I first of all, I'll add the, the last thing that you
1: asked me. I've had some people ask me about that if I'd be interested in doing it. And um, my lymphoma is in remission. You know, it's going to come back to 99 types of lymphoma. A lot of people have cancers a lot worse than mine. I have a friend of mine who has exactly what I have, and his flipped really quick because you just never know when it's going to grow into a different type of lymphoma or cancer. So I've made that decision, and I did. I didn't. I didn't want to wait three or four or five years. I, I probably could still be coaching now, but I didn't want to say, okay, in four years from now, or like maybe next year. I would be four years outside of, of, of when I was diagnosed that all of a sudden I'm getting chemo and all of a sudden things don't go well. and I'm going to only have four or five years left. I thought that I would regret that the rest of my life. that I didn't sit down and spend time more with my grandkids and my wife, and my kids and, and, and be able to do really what I wanted to do. That was my thinking behind it. And I also, they said, if you de-stress your life, it's going to help you like this. And so obviously there's not a more stressful job in the world than, than, than coaching football. So for me, That's why I don't want to I don't want to go back because I just want to do the right thing for all these other people around me, Um, instead of them all adjusting my schedule that they've done for years and years. Um, Like I said, I people ask me about, you know, what I what I what are you doing now? A lot of people have tried to be crazy when I first started people, what are you doing now? What are you doing? I, I mean, they're like driving me nuts. I feel like saying I get to do anything I want to do. But I didn't say it quite like that. Uh, but first of all, I get to, I get to wake up and I get to do anything I want to do. Number one. Number two is, I miss I miss being on the field. Like I said before, put my headset on, and and you know you're in front of seventy thousand people, national TV, and I put that headset on over my visor, and I would go into a zone for the next four hours. I was four and a half hours. I was gone, and I loved game day because we were so well prepared because of how I was taught. And how how we what we did with our program we won a lot of games because we're more organized we're more detailed, and and we're, we're we prepared better than, than than a lot of people so I miss I miss game day and um, uh, the other thing I do is I like I said is more as much or more than anything I miss being around my, my players and helping them and so what I'm doing now is I decided I'm gonna spend my time helping kids um i'm gonna start a foundation that's in the process right now it's going to be gp made foundation uh, made is an acronym for make a difference every day m-a-d-e and we call it project 365 we're going to raise money to help kids i haven't finalized because this is going to be going in april of this coming year i haven't finalized exactly what i'm going to do i've talked to different organizations that certainly could use funds uh, for kids and families that are in need uh, uh, but there's also, I, I, you know, with cancer and, 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 and kids that have, that have cancer and being able to assist and help them. So I'm kind of trying to find exactly what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to help kids. I'm going to help people. And, uh, that's what I'm going to do. And I, and I feel great about that. And I'm not in every, every, I, I do, I do, uh, uh, leadership and teamwork talks. Um, I do those, I do probably one, one or two a month, um, for, you know, some big companies and some, you know, smaller too. Uh, I just, I do those things, but anything I get from it, uh, any donation I get goes right. It's going to go right to my, uh, my foundation. So, you know, I've been blessed. I've been so fortunate. Honestly, I, I just, it's just, you know, did everything that I get into coaching did you ever everything that I've been surrounded by so many of these good people in my whole life. Um, I, I just have been very, very fortunate.
2: That's outstanding stuff, coach. Um, the last question we have for you here, we have a tradition on our show. Um, each of our guests um, tell us if they were a professional baseball player or a professional wrestler, what their walk-up or introductory music would be. Um, so if if that was you, what would you, what would your <laughs> oh song gosh. be? And you got to tell us why. So you got to tell us what your song would be. <laughs> oh my gosh! I don't. Tell know. Us I need. Why.
1: I needed preparation on this. I didn't read. I didn't read that question.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's oh my god. I, I don't. Coach, we we sneaking in on everybody. How, how about how about
1: uh, I did it my way by uh by uh who who was uh frank sinatra remember that yeah. i did it my way okay i mean you know through all the ups and downs at the end of the day i did it my way and uh my way was I was very fortunate